Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It'd be a sunny Thursday, at least for the moment. And, uh, and, well, this is not the norm, but uh, Susan is joining us this Thursday because she was unable to join us on Tuesday because she was in the emergency room with our mother. <laughs> Suze. Hi. Hi. <clears throat> okay. Yes, that's what I was doing. That's what you were doing. How is she today? Well, having convinced her finally to uh, ingest two extra strength Tylenol. Oh, it's like it's like I'm tying her down and putting morphine down her throat. Um, she pronounces that she feels much better. <laughs> and she's so she's not, really resistant to taking any anything. Any. Anyway, and, but the right. second that she takes the Tylenol, she's out of most of the discomfort related to an unnecessary appendix. The only thing that keeps growing is yeah. her anger. Oh, yeah. She is getting, she is getting, getting madder and madder, and it's focused on the poor surgeon. I'm just going to kill that guy. I said, it's not his fault. I, was, I said, you need, you need to look at the guy that took the CT scan. <laughs> Well, I who knows? No, where does the anger get her? I mean, well, that's what I said. I said, what good did it do you? You got stabbed three times, and you're going to get charged for it, and nothing changes, even if you're angry. So, you know, yeah, and you know, I I don't know. I mean, (laughs) did she know this surgeon before, or did he just come out of nowhere? No, but he lives in a great big house. <laughs> what? Is that what she's saying? And he lives in a great big house. <laughs> and now I suppose I'll be putting on an addition. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, All right. But she's pretty good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Oh, my. You know, something, this is this time of year, I always am in denial. I can't bear the thought that the summer's ending and I have to start putting things away, you know, that right. I have to pull Your days of just basking of, in, your, in your outside space are over. Right. In fact, the sun is so low in the sky already that my normally very shady backyard is almost totally in shade. So there's no warming sun to be had. And it's just that I'm looking at my pots, which are full of still beautiful flowers. And at some point you got to yank them and get the pots, you know, ready for the winter too. And I, I just can't. I'm always. Oh, well, wait for the first freeze and then you'll get up and they'll be sitting there all dead in the pot and you won't yes, have but they'll any also problem. Be, yeah, they'll be frozen, and I'll be frozen, and so I'll be having to work outside and being cold. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'll stop. I'll just stop. I'm enjoying them too much. I'm looking at them right now. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I mean, why why kill them just because they're going to die? <laughs> this is this is this a uniquely inappropriate response. <laughs> it actually sounds like something our mother would do. Yes, that is true. It does. <laughs> that is that is exactly our mother's reasoning. Yeah, I know that would be. <laughs> well, I must have some of her in me. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, oh God. Well, and besides, what? I don't know what your day looks like today, but if your weather tomorrow is what we got today, batting down the hatches, you'll be pulling. Yeah, right. Tomorrow. Right. It's coming uh, later this afternoon. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been beautiful and sunny and relatively warm and goodbye. Yeah. Wet and cold. So that's okay. This is what happens. <sighs> I've been talking to my fish saying, guys, guys, got to cover you up pretty soon. They just sit and open their mouths and say, trade me, trade me. <laughs> <laughs> all right all all of your backyard right. <laughs> it's my favorite place and it's that is yeah all right stop who cares shut up okay now what are we gonna talk about well i uh <laughs> You saw I've been I've been putting this off because I I mentioned it I think on Monday and said that I would talk about it maybe on Tuesday with you and then you weren't there and then I didn't and then I didn't yesterday. So this is the last show of the week and I'm sick of sitting around um with this still on my, you know, list. So I want to go there because it's a it's a ongoing story. There was a um, a, a walkout walkout yeah. in protest at Netflix uh, yesterday um, about uh, the Dave Chappelle special. It's called uh, Closer, the Closer, right? And um, and I. I watched it because I I kept hearing about it, obviously, and that there are people very upset about it. And so I thought, I mean, what does that do? First of all, that's one of the funny things. Right, right. When people want to shut something up, this happens all the time. Yeah, when you want to cancel something, you cause so much attention that a million or or four million more people watch it. (laughs) It's true. Because I wouldn't have watched it. I probably would have because I, I just am a fan. I'm well, I probably wouldn't have just because I'm hanging out with mother and I have to stay up until she goes to bed to watch anything. <laughs> well, and she wouldn't. She wouldn't like it. Show. That's why I have to stay up until no. she goes to bed. Right. No. So, no, I've always got uh, – um, I think he's brilliant. Um, I have said this. I think he's brilliant. I think he is brilliant. Also, yeah, especially and he's fearless. Yes, especially on issues of race. Um, I I just think he he nails it so often. But but he also is uh, somebody who offends me 
at some point, every time I watch one of his stand-up specials, I, you know, I'm laughing, I'm laughing, I'm laughing. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there stony face thinking, that's not funny. (laughs) And (laughs) I don't even get that. That's not funny. That is correct. I don't even, what, what? What does that mean? Yeah, exactly. So I think, I mean, I know because he's offended me so many times. I've often watched with my son and he's laughing and I'm sitting there pissed off. And then I'm laughing and he's like, what was that about? I mean, we, it's like everybody reacts differently given wherever you're sitting. He's an equal opportunity offender provocateur. Yeah, he, he clearly is. And what is true is that, you know, when you're, when your comedy is that, uh, it's, it's, it, it has a stinging quality. It's, it's not like telling uh knock, knock jokes. It's a, it's, he knows. The comedy is based upon, uh, solely based upon saying what you're not allowed to say. And also giving voice to what you're thinking. And giving okay. voice to what everybody's well, you thinking. Said, you yeah. said it was courageous. Did you say courageous? Because he's willing to say what he knows is not allowed. So that makes him what? I mean, the word for it is politically incorrect. Right. It's also because because he's it's doing exactly what he's hoping to do. It's causing conversation. It's, it's well, getting, here, if you say the worst thing there is to say, then... People can talk about everything leading up to it. But they don't anymore. They just start screaming. Well, but here we are. They don't we? talk. Okay, wait. So here, I, I want to be very clear about my reaction to this particular show. I think it was the worst show of his I've ever seen because next to his brilliance, which was still evident, there was a something new that I had not noticed before, which is a brittleness and a defensiveness. I mean, in fact, most of the show was him, I thought, brittly defending his right to do this kind of comedy. Exactly, what he had done in yeah. his last show, which mm-hmm. created... Um, a, yeah. a, you know, and and here's another thing, and I'm not good at science. What's the thing that when you push? I mean, he's an example of this. So he got a lot of pushback from his last, the show before this one. And what did he do with this show? He comes back even more so. And I bring up science because isn't there something about? An equal an opposite uh, reaction. Yeah, something like that. Isn't that yeah. what 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 is that? It's a physical law. But it I, is you know what I'm any action that? any action causes an equal and opposite reaction. Um No, but there's that's not quite it though. Somebody no, I know, and don't ask me that. because that's not what I do. Uh but yeah. But I, I am thinking that Clearly what happened to him, and I understand it because I have the same kind of, I think, personality. Somebody tells me I can't do something or you shouldn't have said that or whatever. My 
immediate inclination is to do it again and even more so. I always, that's my reaction. Somebody puts a thing on their lawn saying, you know, no dogs poop here. I want my dog to poop there. I'll pick it up, but I just, that's just, you know, don't do this. Well, anti-maskers feel much the same. You are describing the same phenomenon, you understand. I'll clarify that. Anti. Oh, don't tell me if I tell. Don't me tell I me I have to wear a mask. Right, right. So that is what it is. It is an anti-authoritarian uh, impulse. Somebody says you can't. You know, your parents say you can't. If something is taboo, it adds a lure to it. You want more of you know of it. So you want to do it. You want to sample it. Or, I mean, there's another, there's another thing. They're so afraid you're going to goof that it's all you can think of. So, for example, uh, in psychoanalysis, psychoanalysis, you're supposed to say everything that comes into your mind to your therapist. And one of my favorite stories of my, of my early marriage to my husband is being at the symphony with him. He was a young psychiatrist in an analysis pursuing his psychoanalytic credentials and he sees his analyst across the symphony lobby standing next to a woman that probably looked exactly like uh what was her name Harrison in Wizard of Oz the uh the, <laughs> the wicked witch exactly okay, not an attractive not an no, attractive no exa- and and my husband goes white and <laughs> and I said which is he starts out white he went even paler and he and he and he says, "Oh no!" And I said, "What?" He goes, "She's ugly." And I said, "What are you talking about?" And he said, "I'm going to have to tell him." And I said, oh. "No, really? What are you talking about?" And he says, "Well, I've seen it. I've thought it. I'm going to go into my session with him tomorrow, and there's going to be nothing I can think of except that his wife looks like the Wicked Witch out of the Wizard of Oz, and I'm going to have to tell him. <laughs> and he did. He also told him, you know, he farted. He told him, you, you, there is nothing. I mean, when you gave my husband a rule, he followed it. It's you oh, know, so he's a rule follower. He's okay. a rule follower. But so did he. Oh, jeez. Yes, he did. Well. Did you ever see the wife? Was she that ugly? Yeah, I was standing right next to him. She looked exactly like that actress. Yes, she did. But I did not respond in the same way, not being in analysis with the husband. And never, never, even if I were, would it occur to me to say such a thing. (laughs) I would edit. And he and he would not. I mean, there these are these are. I gotta say, these are sort of instinctual and characterological responses. So you and Chappelle, to bring this back to where we start, yeah, have We're this pushback er, people, yeah. right? You're just pushback people, and as and if it's in your head, it's just not going to go away. It's going to come out, but yeah. You know, the other thing that we really need to talk about here is the First Amendment. Well, wait, before you get all into the First Amendment, because that seems like a – I want to talk a little – can we talk – okay, because we're going to talk about speech. Yeah, what can be said? Well, okay, uh, let's go back uh, to the special. I This particular yeah, special I, I found sort of 
mildly amusing. I was he he got me laughing several times, except when he made the same remark twice about Jews, which honestly I didn't get and I didn't think was funny. And I said, pipe down, killer. It's your turn. You know, it's just, you know, and then he went on and got somebody else. And I and um, well, you know, the, the Jew thing. And let's stop there, because that it, uh, for some, you know, as I say, he, he goes after everybody. And at one point he did this long story about extraterrestrials. And I didn't understand and I didn't I really didn't. I, I didn't it, get it. Yeah. You didn't either. No, that's interesting. So it, the punchline was. Space Jews. Space Jews. So, so guess who didn't get it? The Jews. Jews. Yeah. So, and the joke came up twice, to, and I and didn't. Then he brought it back again, and I thought, what the? Well, fuck? William Shatner's Jewish. Again. Maybe it was about, the, but this was done well before no, Shatner went uh, up. No, no, no. Yeah, no, it had nothing to do with no. that. And somebody else said, "Oh, was he space Jews? He must have been talking about, you know, that uh, my Mel Brooks screen. movie." No, laser, um, you know, she oh. said that Jews uh, with lasers caused the wildfires. Oh, right. But that doesn't, that's not that's what space. this is talking about. No, 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 it wasn't. So it's interesting that you and I, and I thought what, it, I mean, clearly what it was, because I wrote it down, uh, was that these Jews, space Jews, were aliens from another planet. And they, I, I wrote Literally, he said they wanted to claim the earth for their very own. So that was like the punchline. Space Jews taking over the world. And I have to tell you, as a Jew, we were not amused. That was that's not funny. No. Uh, just in my mother's lifetime, uh, six million plus Jews were incinerated or otherwise killed and uh, terrorized. And, you know, you don't have to go because back in your mother's time. You yeah. don't have well, to. You, you no, can, can go, go to Tree of Life Synagogue. Tree of Life, right, exactly. So, and yet, okay, so there's that. So, Jews yeah, when die. people when Jews people normalize. When, yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't, like, freak. Susan didn't freak. We just said, huh? And I was aware, and I didn't like it. I thought, that's not helpful. <laughs> it's not helpful. Well, it wasn't even, I was I, it didn't willing. even seem to be funny. I mean, you know, the others, yeah. I can see they hurt, but I can understand the joke. This, I just didn't even think was funny. It was if saying the word Jew was funny. Well, uh, saying the word Jew conjures this ready-made bunch of stereotypes right. that the whole right. world understands. Just immediately laughed, right. And we don't find funny. To kill Jews. Right. right. It's okay. That's okay. Believe me. And it's allowing all of these people on the right right now to uh, to co-opt the, the, the Holocaust and walk around wearing yellow armbands. Oh, you know. And not, and and, and we aren't like supposed that, to find that offensive, you know. No. Speaking of symbolism like that, though, um, he one of the things I did laugh at that he said had to do with the women's march. He was getting on feminist because oh, yes. the feminist <laughs> movement is, you know, was a white upper middle class movement. 
Right. Right. And uh, and he points out the racism that's just endemic in the women's movement, um, even going so b- far back as the abolitionists, all those white lady abolitionists refusing initially to let Sojourner Truth join their cause, right? Join their cause. And that famous line of hers, if you've ever heard her speech she gave, she did talk to him, uninvited, I believe. Mm -hmm. And she said, ain't I a woman? So in his funny ha-ha-ha or not-so-funny act, he brings these historical realities to make his point, to set up his next joke. He is traversing a real minefield when he does his stuff. But one of the things he then said, and I wrote it down, I think I got it, because I howled. He starts in on the that huge women's march that happened yeah, I what, the too. day after yeah. Trump yeah. Uh, got uh, whatever installed inaugurated inaugurated yeah so he talks about all those women out there wearing <clears throat> pink crocheted uterus hats <laughs> and he said he said he can just imagine you know the feminist saying yes and we're gonna wear pink i want everybody to wear a pink crocheted uterus hat so that they will know we're serious he didn't say uterus. Yes, he did. He did? I think so. A pink crochet uterus hat. Yeah. Okay. So that we'll, they'll know we're serious. I cracked. I did too. I, because I, to I hated those hats. I, and I never had the nerve. I always think of myself as if I have a thought, I share it. <laughs> And I did not at the time push back with the fact that I thought those stupid crocheted pink hats were absurd. And uh, and make the cause appear silly. (laughs) Silly. It certainly adds ammo. (laughs) At at the very least, unserious. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it seems unserious. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Yeah. But I... You know, I would no more wear a pink uterus, crocheted or otherwise, on my head when the reason I'm marching is I am enraged. There, somehow, pink uteruses uh, on my well, head. Well, it just says, no, don't, don't worry, don't take our rage seriously. I, I objected well, I to know. it, too. I mean, I did. Here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um. The show wasn't as funny as it usually is. No, it wasn't as he's, funny. He's he's stuck. He's obsessed. And he's pissed. <clears throat> and he's sounding like, I said to somebody, he sounds like a crotchety old white man. Well, he did have he did have a a bit of that um condescension about him towards others' causes. Yes, that's right. Well, that's it. And he would take real offense at being called a white man, I can tell you that. Well, 
But, but if most, you adopt the if you adopt the characteristics that you resent in your enemy, then why shouldn't you be compared to your enemy? And condescension condescension to everybody else would be the first one. One of the things I think he said that I thought really resonated, but then I shared it with a friend the other day and she shot it down. So I'm going to, he said, he was always trying to pull black experience and black people out of these groups. So when he's going on gays, getting on gays or getting on trans people, he clearly is thinking they're all white. Well, that's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, that's really crazy when the face, when the, when the public, um, at least face entertainment wise of, uh, of trans group, uh, yeah, is all very high profile black men. Much of the, and much of the violence against trans people, the, the black trans is on the receiving end of, uh, you know, more than its share. Um, But he said, he was trying to point out how when it comes to a black, there's less hullabaloo about a black guy getting gunned down for no reason in particular than of a white person's feelings being hurt. Because what he keeps referring to, what people get so upset because my feelings are hurt or I was triggered. And I share that same feeling about, you know, the trigger crap. I really, I, do. I, I have I, to I, admit, I, really I do too. I do. Okay, okay. So, so, so here, he says that it was easier. Think, stop and think about this. It was easier for Bruce Jenner, white guy, to become a woman before our very eyes. And have much less consequences and pushback than it was for Cassius Clay to say, I want to change my name. I have changed my name to Muhammad Ali. Black guy can't even change his name without decades of abuse and ridicule. White guy gets to change gender on a dime. Okay, that resonated with me. It did but with then, me too. When I yeah. told, well, when I told my friend that the other day, she said, no, 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 no. That doesn't, it's, the, uh-uh. And the reason she said that comparison doesn't work is the t- change from the 60s when Muhammad Ali wanted to change his name I mean, Cassius Clay. Well, obviously, to, there's a difference Jenner, in the time. Because Jenner, um, if Jenner in the 60s had said, I'm a woman, all hell would have broken loose, right? Well, the, there there was, what was her name? The tennis player in the 60s that... Yeah, Renee Richards. Yes, and... Um, as I recall, she was simply an object of interest. Nah, well, she had a much easier time than Muhammad Ali. She much. Okay, okay. I think it right. stands. All right, that's cool. So, hey, guys, if if you didn't see it, think about here's what we're talking about. Um, 
the people who want to shut Chappelle up have given him more of an audience. It always happens. It always happens. Um, and and you know the one thing. I understand. I understand their anger and their discomfort, but at a certain point, you have to join the ranks of the rest of us oppressed people and learn to look at yourselves and accept that the world isn't going to roll over for you. It doesn't. It just doesn't. And that's the problem with this trigger stuff, because it expects that if you have a trigger, the world cares. And the fact of the matter is the world doesn't care. The world doesn't even know. You're just a speck. So you got to take care of yourself. You cannot expect everybody in the whole world to be very carefully and walking on eggshells because you have this whatever. And guess what? Yeah, whatever. We all have some whatever. Listen, the world, here's what I want to say, and this is what when the trigger stuff started up years ago, what made me crazy about it. I mean, there's triggers and there's triggers. I mean, I may get, what, we aren't talking about, we aren't suggesting that you aren't supposed to behave <laughs> appropriately in a polite society. But if you do that and you accidentally happen on a subject that is a trigger for somebody, remove yourself. I mean, that the person is, is not, not out to, to get that you. person down. Right. right. It, it, this is what, okay, so here's what I want to say. The world, here's what so many young people don't know, and I'm sorry if I sound like a crotchety old white lady. but Because you are. I'm telling you a truth right now. The world is not a safe space. It's just not. Life is not a safe space. And you aren't even going to come out of it alive, for crying out loud. Yeah, cannot ever. You can't be, it's this thing about we need to be warned if something's going to upset us. We need to have safe spaces. Well, it has never, ever been true. Ever. Right. I'm looking out my window. A little chipmunk just ran by. He'd tell you, the world is not a safe space. Nature is not, well, kind. It doesn't care. Well, but this is what I'm trying, and to suggest and to teach people that it can be made so is not a service. You, we are animals that, like all other animals, like that little chipmunk, we are responsible for taking care and protecting ourselves from what my sister appropriately describes as a pretty scary world out there. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. You, your responsibility is to protect your. And you are born with all sorts of skills innately to help you do that. But one of them is not to demand that nobody does anything you don't like. How would that end up working? Since we're all, it, it will end up not ever speaking a word. And what I'm finding is that a lot of people, and I know, engage in self-censorship all the time 
not quite understanding why they're not supposed to say whatever it is they're not supposed to say, but they're just worried. And any time uh, a social movement causes that measure of fear and censorship, my antennae go up. I have said over and over again, I don't like being told what I can or cannot say. I don't care. I don't want someone from the right to tell me. I don't want somebody from the left to tell me. And as we've already said, when you tell me I can't say something, the odds are I'm going to. There is a review of a book in the New York Times today called The End of Bias. It looks like it's very interesting. And it's about, it's, it's by a scientist. That's impossible. Uh, yeah, right. But the last line says this, that when we get to the point where we are, as we are in this country now, pretty much at each other's throats, we have reached the edge. We have reached an edge the place where these two warring groups and that the, the definitions of those groups can change, obviously, uh, meet. There's a point at which we meet. And she says it is a fate, it's a space that's full of peril and it's fraught, but it can be the place of stunning fertility. And that only happens in the ferment there at the edge where we meet if we speak to each other. That's correct. If something new can grow. Silencing people prevents progress. Right. Yeah. Somebody, I mean, for like you can't give people compliments, you know, without you can't say you certainly can never make a compliment that it says anything about a person's appearance anymore. That would be that would just I simply still, be, you know what? I still do it. And I'm I'm sorry. Of, of course. Well, somebody put up a list of things that you should say instead. And I would puke before any of these came out of your mouth. Lynn, can I tell you, your passion is contagious. I love how transparent you are. It makes you sound like a ghost. Your resilience is inspiring. I mean, I be, what? Did the, the, I, these are the things you're supposed to say. What? I really <laughs> admire your passion for self-exploration. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate right, how I authentically you show up. I assure you, I'm never going to say any of this things to you. <laughs> and I might very well say, hey, your ass looks great in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll say, thanks. Uh, well, okay. Listen, if... if um, there you are. All I want to... What? <laughs> I accidentally clicked a button and I disappeared you, but I got you oh. back. Okay. Okay. So I just... I, 
the other the other thing is you know uh, the the stories today the news articles about the Netflix walkout uh, point out that Netflix has a lot and always has had a lot of content that is very pro LGBTQ issues right right very I mean it's been out there so if you have it's a platform it's a network to suggest that it can only allow in i mean you talk well about they it. would they would say to you there aren't two sides of this just like there are two sides of the holocaust and i would say hey there's a lot of that content up don't you think there isn't Oh, and, hell yeah. And oh. obviously, and so you aren't going to silence it, you use it. I don't know. I don't either, but um, I, it's, I agree with you. It was not his funniest work. He still made me laugh throughout. Uh, I didn't see any one group being treated any worse than any other group. Although he was obsessing on trans. Well, he was because this was out there. Well, that's okay. So here's the thing. He did say there was one thing toward the end, which I actually found objectionable. And that was when he talked about his trans friend, a comedian. Um. I got the name here somewhere, Daphne Dorman, uh, who he had opened for him on a, a few occasions, even though he said she wasn't funny. <laughs> she loved his comedy. She loved it. And he makes a big point about talking about this trans woman, comedian, loved his stuff and was there when, you know, other trans people were jumping on him, whatever. And then I forget how it happened. He's telling the story. She commits suicide. Yeah. She, in the, in the end, she commits suicide. Yeah. She commits suicide is a true story. Yeah. And I didn't like the fact that he then, correct me if I'm wrong, but I swear he sort of put out there that he gave, a, made a, a foundation, somehow helping her daughter. I forget what it was. It was yeah. like, you know, it was like, um, and I'm such a good guy. This is what I did. Well, the, that yeah, whole part I'm of the show was I said, you can't and, tell and me. And you are telling us what a good guy you are. Cause this, you're is, this was Dave Chappelle saying some of my best friends are trans. Well, I know. But it also was self-aggrandizing in that he wanted to show us what a, what a know, stand-up what a guy caring, was. Good, yeah. Well, no, he, that's the whole point of all of the story, that he let her open for him, but she turned out to be so funny heckling him from the audience that she got a standing ovation and at the end of both of their shows. 
Um, and then he, and then he says, so I told her she was going to, he brought, brought her to tears by telling her that she could, she wanted her to open whenever he was in San Francisco and, and he did. And then, and then he mentions that she killed herself and he took care of her child financially. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, I think I'm sorry. That's exploiting a friend's tragic end. I, I, he really lost. It's not his story to tell. It's not his story to tell. It was nasty. So yeah, I'm not as big a fan of Dave Chappelle as I used to be because I think he's getting, he's lost his way a little bit. Because of his defensiveness and his need to let us know that he's actually a good person. But the Um, point, yeah, but that as a comedian that you're losing your way then. That's right. But he, so let the special up and let people see. Yeah. Let people see that. This doesn't work for you, Dave. And and they don't need the protests, uh, you know. I mean, the protests made us watch it, and we saw this doesn't work for you, Dave. But yeah, in this country, the fact of the matter is, it can't be silenced, and frankly, it shouldn't be silenced. It's safer to know who and where your enemies are and what they're saying. Oh, good, Susan. That brings me to something that was also in that review of the book on bias. Because, of course, I can't find it now. She, the author says, subtle bias. This is what, you know, you've often heard black people say. They prefer the racism of the South to the racism of the North. Because in the South, you know where you stand. You know where you stand. Up here in the north, there's all these people pretending, you know, like, uh, I'm not racist. I don't see color. Right, right, exactly. So she points out that these more subtle biases can be much more detrimental than overt biases. Because for the person that the biases are, are focusing on, uh, that creates an ambiguous, a very sort of un, you know, ambiguous situation, and to navigate uh, that more ambiguous, subtle racism or transphobia or anti-Semitism or whatever is exhausting. Yeah, emotionally and mentally, and I'm sure even physically. So, yeah. So I, I don't know. And all of this, I'm just so sick of all the anger. I can't take it. Which is why, Susan, I want to talk about Quince. As in the berry? Okay. Hey, is this caller I have any still there? I'm sorry. I just saw I have a caller. Okay. If the caller is still there, can we let you in and then we'll get Hello. to Quince? Hello. Hello. I, it, am Hello. I the caller? You are. I, you must I, be. I was just ready to hang up. And I don't even know why I called. I started listening and I agree with you guys so much. I haven't heard you for a while. but And I have not seen this Dave Chappelle special. I'm really, I want to see it. And it just brings to mind how um, he really 
uh, put my mind into shock in a way once. And it was the first Saturday Night Live after Trump won. Do you, did anybody remember seeing that? He was the host. He did. Yes. It's the highest yeah. rated Saturday Night Live ever. Right. Oh, and he said something like we should all like give him a chance or something, didn't he? Did he? No, he was more like, no, but what was so shocking? He was more like, hey, hey, white people, you guys are all really shocked at this guy. This doesn't oh. surprise us at all. It doesn't surprise oh, okay. me. It opened my eyes to, you know, it was it was a, a, a slap in the face to white privilege. Yes. And I remember thinking, wow, he is exposing something here to even me, who I think I'm open right to all of this. It was so shocking to me that I thought, oh, thanks, Dave, because I'm seeing, you know, it's like my world is very different than yours. Right. Yeah. And um, so he's he's a provocateur in a way. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. He is. So yeah. sometimes I wonder, you know, okay, a lot of people I know eat our age, whether black or white, yeah, we're all becoming crotchety old people. Right? So is that combined with being a provocateur? It might does not come off well anymore. Who knows what's going on? But I do give him credit because, and now I really want to see this special um, to see yeah. what, what he's doing because um, – because it gets people talking about things they need to talk about. Yeah. Which and I remember end is what he's trying to do. He woke me up in a way you, that... And it, yeah, I have to tell you that in, his, uh, in the show, I started looking at the audience. You know, there's a lot of reaction shots and wide shots. So you see a whole bunch of faces. There was one black guy who I just loved because he was having such a good time. <laughs> he was laughing and laughing and laughing. But there were a lot of people uh, at various points in the show who looked grim, grim, very unhappy, not laughing at all. And those are the faces that he sees when he's doing the show. Right. And if he could have seen my face on that Saturday Night Live, I would have been one of those people. Just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So who knows? I mean, that's his art. Is it his art? Is it? it who knows? Well, okay. it's his art. Yeah. Thank it you. is his art. Thank it. you. All right. Well, Thanks okay. for hanging in there, too. Sorry. <laughs> bye bye. Sorry. Bye. Have a nice weekend. You, you too. too. You too. Quince, Susan. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is, you know, I was busily. Uh, you know, reading gazillions of things this morning. And um, I came upon, uh, I love recipes that show up on the, you know, and all of a sudden, I have to tell you, three in a row. Here's one. Quince, these are headlines. Quince evokes mystery and magic. Here's the next one. Poached quince stars in this kale salad. And the third, rosy poached quince and goat milk pudding. Okay, and none of this sounds good to, to me. <laughs> no, I know. My reaction to all three were <laughs> well, I don't first of all, pudding. I don't want my food to be mysterious. <laughs> Right. I mean, maybe that has to do with the fact that I'm a Jew, but mysterious food is not not good. No, 
Rosie poached quince and goat milk pudding. <laughs> oh, I didn't do the rest. It, 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 uh, they pair for a stunning fall parfait. And I'm thinking, oh no, is quince going to be the next quail? I mean, eh, I mean kale, the kale, any right. t- kale, any kind. Just when I learned how to massage my kale. Okay, yes, I'll have to learn what to do. <laughs> I never massaged kale. <laughs> Yeah. Is it supposed it, to break it down a little it bit? It makes it a little bit more tender, yeah. All right. Well, I wouldn't know a quince if I tripped on it. I don't put it across your kitchen floor on one. <laughs> it's it looks I think there's a picture here. It looks like a I don't know, it looks more like a lemony thing. Mm-hmm. It says here in the mystery and magic that the heat turns the quince from woody to luscious. I want you to know. We'll take your word for it. <laughs> I mean, jeez. I don't know. Right. You know, it's I, I, I. There are some ingredients I just don't care to learn about, and and usually they're what shows up in the in the restaurant uh, that ruins the the dish. It's called the one too many ingredient rule. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like quince is that. The quince is the sole member of the genus Cydonia in the family Rosacea. See, it sounds like a Rosacea? disease already. Sounds That's like a, it's a disease. A disease. It, right. It's a tree that bears a deciduous palm of fruit, similar in appearance to a pear, and is bright golden yellow when mature. The raw fruit is a source of food. <laughs> oh. I guess so. Luscious and mysterious if poached. They don't look bad. Yeah, so it would be like poaching a pear. Now that I'm looking at it, it almost looks good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God almighty. All right. Maybe I'll torture our mother with quince tonight as she's had two nights of uh, matzo ball soup. Oh, you're still making her eat the matzo ball soup? Well, Well, it's just two nights. Okay, two nights. Surgery nights right. and last night. Tonight I'll cook for her again. And <laughs> and then Sunday, one of the surgeons is cooking for us, and I hope she doesn't stab him. Well, he's not the surgeon who worked on her. No, but he also looked at the scan. He did too. Mm-hmm. And didn't... He, well, he, the scan is the problem. And this is the scan was the problem when I almost died over at West Penn. Yeah, we're it just is- we're just relating this. If you go in with appendicitis that's diagnosed by a CT scan, this is apocryphal but true. In both cases, my sisters, it diagnosed a normal appendix because it had already burst. And in my mother's case, it diagnosed a, a appendix that was two to three times its normal size. But when they cut or her open... possibly there might be a mass. Yeah, a mass in it, it which is... Yeah. Of course, they might have just told me that, so I was grateful that she was fine, so I didn't want to sue them for doing an unnecessary search. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, too. Everybody wants to know what this family of lawyers is going to do. And we go, oh, fool. We're not you know. doing. These are My mother got so mad at me. I said, first of all, Mom, speaking as a lawyer, what are your damages? She almost killed me. 
said, no, but, but it's we, true. We got to look no at harm, this. No First of all, damages are calculated based on your, your your the length of life, you know, and and your pain and suffering. And you're doing you're doing everything but jumping jacks. You were off the table and in the car in an hour and a half. So you know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> It's um, funny. Of course, the longer this goes on, she's just stewing and getting she's herself getting angry. She's getting so angry. She, Every time I walk in the room, she balls her fists and, and slams them on her thighs and goes, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I could just kill that surgeon. And then she goes, ow, and I go, stop it. <laughs> Why? She's because hitting her. Because she's, because she's, she's like, you know, flexing her oh, torso, you know, and oh, uh, yeah. her ab muscles you know, are sore. <laughs> And then she starts laughing, and we both start laughing, and that hurts even more. So That hurts, know. too. Yeah, yeah. Laughing always hurts after surgery. Oh, God damn. So I hate to – I'm sitting here looking around, and I don't have anything other than – oh, wait. <laughs> uh, wait, I have some emails. Why does it take so long for them to – Oh, Roger said in terms of compliments, here's an oldie but goodie. You have a great personality. <laughs> Are you allowed to say that anymore? Is that okay? Oh, I have to tell you something my friend said. This is not somebody who's like she, the other day. This is about this, you know, changing world where, you know, I, I, I was mentioning that I didn't even know what cis meant. Three years ago. Right, right. Well, we've all learned a lot. We've all learned a lot. We've all learned so much. And you can't expect people who for millennia. You did too, by the way, know what cis meant. It was me. I was your baby Ah, cis. Your baby cis. So, you know, whatever. So the idea that we all we've lived with and grown up with was you know there were two genders that's there are men and there are women and that's the way the world has worked for a gazillion millennia even though you find some cultures uh that were much more willing at times to uh to recognize ambiguity in um in gender there there are some but they don't tend to be western white, Western, European, Christian, Muslim, they're stuck with men and women, right? So all of a sudden to be told that's just not true, there is this amorphous space in between, that is not something most people can just say, oh, okay, I, I, you know, it, it the internal struggles that a lot of people go through trying to come to terms with. So a friend said to me the other day, she said, you know, I can tell though that it's getting, she said, I remember like about as early as just even a year ago that when I saw somebody who I couldn't readily identify as male or female, you know, where I used to, I would have looked and thought, what is, is that a woman or is that a man? And she said, and now I don't even ask the question. I just think it's a human being. Right. 
And I'm not focused, she said, on is that a man or is that it is what it is. It is right. I thought now that is that is progress. That is progress. Well, it is. And I, I, you know, seemingly off subject. But when I was first married, one of the things that I enjoyed most was now looking at everybody as just another human being, not a sexual object, not a potential mate, not a, but a, you know, just a person. And it was one of the real perks of a good marriage. You know, I just didn't care about that anymore. And, and that is the culture that we grow up in, that we are required to view the opposite sex. There's only one as a a sexual a sexual object from both sides if that starts to blur it's it's right. sort of wonderful it's completely it's sort of freeing it is in many ways yeah but you cuz it's not comfortable being a sexual object it. no it, it, yeah i don't know but give people time to come to it, that when you start bludgeoning people into seeing things from a certain perspective, they resist. That's all the old crotchety lady is saying. Barbara writes, I'm not interested in the subject, but points out that a leaked document showed that Netflix paid 24 mil for the closer. Well, it was a three. Wait a minute. It was a three deal. Oh, three. Yeah, that's true. That's it true. was a so, so what? I mean, obviously so what? I mean, were, they paid him yeah. X number of millions to produce three comedy oh, well. specials, the last of which appropriately titled The Closer. I I don't know Pretty how you closed it down. You know, it <laughs> might just be when they doled out the payment. But, you know, no. And no, that it, information was was known because uh, someone at Netflix leaked that financial information to Bloomberg News. The person who leaked it was uh, a trans person who works there, and they have now been terminated. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think that's kind of the natural thing, yeah. consequence of uh, releasing but, an yeah, internal document, you know, and 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 if you take a, you know, a political stand like that, you you expect the punishment. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I know it's tough, but there's a lot of people competing for equality these days. And it's not especially fair for one group to ask that they be treated even, you know, better than all the other people that have been treated poorly in various ways for millennia. I do want to say this, that if the silencers have their way, there will be no more comedy. And there will be no change. would agree. The only way you can, and comedy has always been the leading edge. Yep. Precisely because, precisely, by the way, because it's a platform that 
allows you to say the unsayable. Yeah. And you use laughter to diminish the discomfort. But it's been said. And once it's been said, it can be discussed and it can lose power to hurt. That's the problem. That's the problem with that whole triggering thing and hiding it. All right. You, You nailed it. Yeah, no, I'm going to say you nailed it. So let's end on that uh, brilliant uh, end because I agree completely. Of course, if you don't agree, that's fine and dandy too. Yeah, call up. We won't take your call. Because <laughs> <laughs> here, we're in power. <laughs> She does. We both do. We're tired of each other already. Okay. Okay, dear sister, back to being a nurse. Uh, Oh, well, listen. (laughs) I'm sorry if she's getting angry. We got to figure out a way to nip that. It'll just metastasize. Well, I'll let her start drinking tonight. Maybe that'll help. one of the most sacred days in Pittsburgh media. You know, they've been 75. It's strange. I never keep track of birthdays, so it's always a surprise to me. Uh, But I was thinking about Doug yesterday. Why was I thinking about Doug? Oh, because I was thinking about Lawrence Gaines, our friend and producer. And I was thinking of how Lawrence's death Doug down. And then I did start thinking of how Doug made such a mark and was so loved and now remembered like this. Uh, wow. Bob, I'll read this because it, 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 he said, if, if I can paraphrase the line from the show Benson that referred to about America after the passing of John Wayne. This city, in terms of talk radio, has gone to hell since Uncle Dougie died. I recall you being your show here on Pittsburgh City Paper 10 years beginning it on 10 years ago, the day after the passing of Doug, when you shared so many memories, stories, and laughs. And My favorite memories of Doug was first meeting him downtown on the 4th of July on his way to a Pirates game. He did his radio show remotely from downtown while he was on WPTT. I loved listening to him so much. I listened to his rock and oldie show years before they embraced a, oh God, I know. On the contrary, what saddens me and all of us. Well, was that Renda Broadcasting gave him the heave-ho. That was the day when Pittsburgh Talk Radio died. Nothing would please me and his fans more than for you to honor your beloved late colleague by playing his signature tune to end his show and yours today. I I wish I'd seen this sooner. 
and do it. Groucho Marx's rendition of hello, I must be going. I came to say I cannot stay. I must be going. Bob says, rest in peace to one of Pittsburgh's talk radios. Greatest of all times. Uncle Dougie Doug Hearst. And he was. Thank you, Bob. And I'm sorry, I, you gotta let me know days before so we can dig up the, because I'm, I'm always late to the game. Uh, thank you very, very much. And I'll be back on, uh, on Monday. Okay. Bye-bye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.